Did we just find the real Noah's Ark? No, we didn't. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Welcome to Answers News for Monday, November 6, 2023. All right. In today's top story, archaeologists may have just found the remains of Noah's Ark in Turkey. Hello, I'm Rocket Rob, a.k.a. Rob Webb. what they call me around here. I'm also here with Dr. Gabby Haynes, as well as Patricia Angler. So let's go ahead and get right into it here. Uh, archaeologists think they might have found the real Noah's Ark. What so this first article man. here, uh, like we already said, spoiler alert, no, they haven't. So make sure you guys stay tuned. You'll get some of the details here. Um, so essentially, a summary of the research uh, that they have is archaeologists, uh, this is, by the way, nothing new, right? Here we go again, over and over again. We've been hearing this over and over again, uh, that they found the real Noah's Ark. Um, and they, they believe that they discovered the final location of it on Turkey's Mount Ararat. Uh, essentially, what they did is they took some soil samples from the top as highest peaks of Turkey, and then they did some of the rock and soil from the location, and then it, it, it somehow, basically, it matches some of the biblical timing of Noah's Ark. Except uh, that it doesn't. Except that, that it, it doesn't. Does, but it doesn't. So, so. All right, Dr. Gaby, um, did, they, uh, did they actually find Noah's Ark with this research? No, they haven't found anything. It's funny because I read the word turkey, and it just reminded me Thanksgiving. That's uh, what I found it too. So I just thought it was interesting <laughs> that for them to just bring this up right now around Thanksgiving time. No, they have not. Uh, one thing that's it's interesting for us when we read a paper is always to check the worldview applied right here. You see, for example, they use the word legend. Uh, they use the word story, not history, the story. So they use some of those things because they do, they do not believe that the account of um, uh, in Genesis of the flood happened. And they're, you know, I mean, they're just trying to do everything again as they always have been trying to find it, but they can't find anything about the ark. Right. And I mean, you got to look at what did they actually see and what's actually going on with this site. So what they actually found is that uh, they analyzed some rocks and dirt and then um, they did some some dating analyses on that. And they found some signs of human activity and marine sediment or like marine fossils, which you expect given that there's a global flood. And then they say there's no evidence for the flood. So, and um, you can actually go and find on our website, this site has been basically refuted as the Noah's Ark site. You can read back from 1992, Dr. Andrew Snelling wrote a really in-depth article about that. It's called like Special Report, Amazing Ark Exposé. You can read it there. Basically, he was saying, we don't necessarily even expect the Ark to have survived that long. And this is a valley, not a mountain where the site is. And it's also sitting on volcanic lava flows. So that were active. It's like a post-flood lava flow. So really, it would have been like God said, you survived the flood. Here's a volcano that's erupting. Doesn't make sense. Yeah, like Patricia was saying, Dr. Snelling has already written on it, as well as Tim Chafee, as well as uh, one of the other speakers at our ministry. He's also written extensively on this. Uh, spoiler alert here, wood doesn't last that long, right? So we wouldn't expect it. I mean, you just drive around, look at all the old barns. Those are falling apart even after just, um, you know, 100 years or so. So let alone here, thousands of years, we wouldn't expect to find any wood. And plus, Dr. Snelling also points out that with no mature trees around after Noah and his family left the ark, they would have likely dismantled the ark and then maybe used that for some of their building purposes. So again, we wouldn't expect to find any of the evidence. But at the same time, I, I think it would be pretty awesome of a find, right, if we did find that. Um, but I think the takeaway here is we don't need to find the ark, right, to really show that the Bible is true. Because one of the things that I noticed in this article, anytime you want to see an author's bias, always go to the last statement of what he's written. And uh, the author says, the story, like Dr. Haynes was saying, right, the story of God, knowing his family, uh, they say the search for proof of this event will likely continue for some time, and only that time will tell if it is there to be found. So basically, assuming it's just this fictional story, this myth, right, which 
is actually most of the belief of culture today, sadly. And so again, uh, nothing wrong with doing, doing the analysis, doing the science, of course, but we need to be careful as Christians not to take false claims and try to confirm historical reality. Uh, Luke 16, 31 also says this, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead, which should just remind us, even if the ark was found, scoffers and skeptics, they would reject it, right? And they would come up with some other rescuing device to try to explain away the evidence. Of course, apologetics is very important, right? But ultimately, it's not ultimate. That's really what it comes down to. Our hope is not in some silver bullet of evidence, really. It's rather the gospel and the truth of God's word. That is our hope, and that's what we can bank on. One point that I just like to talk about a little bit is they talk about the local flood. Some believe that it's a local flood. Well, I'm a paleontologist, so I have been studying fossils for a while, and not that while, I'm still young. Um, uh, And you can find fossils everywhere in the world. From the top of the mountains, from the deep of the ocean, you're going to find fossils. That's something that you're going to find. And uh, if it's a local flood, God did not keep keep his promise because God said that he was not going to do that anymore. Mm -hmm. And if he was local and we have seen so many local floods happening, God is not keeping his promise, you know? So that's something that we have to have in our mind because that's an argument that even like in the churches we can hear and that does not make sense at all with the... Yeah, it cracks me up. People always come up to me and they they say, there's no evidence of a global flood. And I always (laughs) ask them, well, what evidence are you expecting? What would you expect from a global flood? Well, you'd expect billions of dead things laid down by water all over the earth and that's exactly what we find, right? So fossil record, again, just confirms that the flood was a global event just like it reads here in the Bible. So... All right, let's go ahead and move on here to our next article. Most adolescents reject cornerstone beliefs needed for a biblical worldview survey finds. This one comes from us, uh, from Christian Post here. So essentially the summary of the research that they've done is done by the Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University. Uh, Essentially what they did is they examined the so-called seven cornerstones of a biblical worldview. And uh, they looked at it among adolescents to find this children between eight, the ages of eight and 12 years old. They surveyed about 400 children uh, back in 2022. And they found that just 3% of respondents embrace all seven of these cornerstones. And they say about 13% agree with maybe five or six. And I also kind of highlighted here on this slide for you guys to go ahead and read. Here's basically the seven cornerstones that they have here along with the percentages. Um, You guys can always... Take a look at this later, um, but I think we, what we want to do is want to focus on that number five there of 25% say um, that they trust the Bible because it is completely true and personally relevant to your life. Ultimately, that really is the root cause. And um, Patricia, would you agree with that? <laughs> yeah, because that's what everything, all the other points come down to. If you don't have that biblical worldview, you're not going to get the rest of it. And they found that about a quarter of the young people they surveyed didn't believe any of these cornerstones. Um, I did notice that they only looked at data from like 400 kids, which yeah. isn't a lot for a survey. Right, right, right. So I was a little surprised about that because usually these guys are really solid on the research. But uh, that can, you know, kind of temper how we view this. Um, But he did point out two things that were really important from what I found from my own research, talking to Christian students around uh, the world. Um, The ones that keep very strong in their faith tend to have a few foundations, and he mentioned two of these, interpersonal foundations, so having strong support network around you. Um, Barna was talking about uh, the only missing factor is a mass of parents, grandparents, pastors, teachers, coaches, and other influencers who are willing to make basically discipleship the top priority, so that's key. And then spiritual foundations, so helping kids develop um, just a really solid understanding of God's word and how to apply it to every area of their life. Yeah, uh, one thing I thought it was interesting here, he says, why a majority of adolescents, 69% believe that God exists and he 
and is the all-knowing, all-powerful, perfect creator and ruler of the universe. And I think that some people see these numbers like, wow, this is almost 70% that believe that God exists. What the devil and demons do too, mm -hmm. right? So yeah. that doesn't mean anything because sometimes people say like, oh, but, but my child believes that God exists. That's, that's not a big point, you know? Um, so we have to be aware because some of those points that they're talking about, we need to understand the definition, right? Uh, be very careful with the definition. What does it mean a savior? What does it mean a creator? What does it mean a ruler? What does it mean? Because you have to teach that to your kid so they can understand. What we see here too, it's the age between eight to 12. Sometimes we expect, uh, and we say, oh, but they, they went to college and college changed everything and you kind of blame college. But those things happen early in age. I remember when I started questioning something, I was around nine years old, you know, uh, and, and, and that's, the, that's the, the stats are showing this, and that's the reality of things. So we have to be more aware, and we were talking there back in the green room, talking about this. It's a huge responsibility for parents. I have three little kids, and I mean, when I read something like that, it's just like, Oh, it's heavy. You know, it's very, very heavy because I, we, just, we have to understand that we're going to be accountable for our kids. We are going to before God. And that's heavy. That's something that we have to not take lightly. We have to pray and ask God for help to teach them in the right way because it's the eternal reality for our kids, you know, for the people that we love the most. And that's very important. And in stats like that, it's 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 Should very be a wake up call. Yes, for us it's, parents. A, it's a yeah. Yep, yeah, definitely. Well, ultimately, and uh, one of the things the article talks about is, you know, the importance of parents and grandparents and pastors and teachers, you know. And, of course, not saying that pastors and teachers are not important, right? They are very important. They're very important in terms mm -hmm. of that support role. You think about a lot of the churches nowadays. I mean, a lot of the pastors are not preaching the full counsel of God, including Genesis. And that's one of the major issues that we're seeing today. But most importantly, like Dr. Haynes was saying, the number one job for a parent that is your job is to disciple the next generation. It's not the, parent, it's not the pastor's job. It's not the teacher's job. Unfortunately, we live in a culture nowadays that believes that it is the teacher's job, right? Basically passing on that responsibility. But again, the Bible makes it very clear that especially as fathers, right? As fathers, our job is to disciple our kids. Ephesians 6.4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And going back to this statistic here, what are we supposed to be teaching them? We're supposed to be teaching them God's word, right? God's word is true. God's word is 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 really what it is. And um, sadly, only 25% believe it's completely true and relevant to their life. And that's the root cause here. Is the Bible the infallible and an authoritative word of God? Because if kids don't find the answers from God's word, guess what? They're going to go find those answers from a secular anti-God culture, right? They're going to find those answers from somewhere. So let's make sure as parents that we have those answers that they need. It's also a reminder too as parents that we have a biblical worldview ourselves, right? We have to have the knowledge in order to pass on the knowledge yeah. to the next generation. So one of the things that I've been working on is trying to make sure I, re I, I read my word daily, every single day, getting into God's word, studying it, meditating on it, right? Not just some new year resolution, but we should be doing it every day and just making it a practice, right? Teaching, discussing, and modeling biblical principles like it says here here um, in the article. And then the article also warns about, um, one of the things Barn, Barna warns about is America's children are in the process of adopting syncretism as their dominant worldview. And that's something we say often all the time here at our ministry as well. Syncretism 
is a very, very dangerous thing for uh, Christians to be buying into. Yeah, it's basically taking little bits of uh, bits and pieces of different ideas, different worldviews, and then deciding which of them you want to be true. So that's making yourself the authority for truth is what it comes down to, which is a form of idolatry and specifically okay. self-idolatry. So kind of like a blender the, view of you know, throw them all together. Yeah, and, exactly. Yeah. And it's like taking a bunch of little pieces of glass and then trying to put it together and seeing if you can see the world clearly. It's not going to work. Um, so like you were saying about discipleship, just the, the focus on, um, as Christians, we need to be at least as intentional about discipling the next generation as the secularists are, because yeah. they're the ones that are going to be making society's future decisions. So. And in terms of syncretism, I mean, one of the things we see all the time in our school system is the religious push of evolution in millions mm -hmm. of years, which is humanism. a religious viewpoint based on the unobservable past, based on man's opinions, based on humanism, basically. Something we say often here, there is no neutrality. You either base yourself yeah. on God's word or man's word. And what we're seeing today is so many Christians are taking those secular humanistic beliefs of evolution and try to mix it with their Christianity. That's what we're seeing here across our nation. And that's why we'll, that's ultimately why we exist here at Answers in Genesis. We are out there to help you build that biblical Christian worldview so you can pass it on to the next generation. And to help you do that, we offer a lot of resources here at our ministry. The first one here, uh, Will They Stand? A really great book written by our CEO and founder, Ken Ham. Um, in my opinion, one of the best books he's ever written. Um, I would say it's a must-read for every Christian parent today, like we talked about, making sure that we uh, really raise, that we're raising strong believers to stand strong in their faith against a world that's going to challenge them, a culture that's going to seek to eliminate their faith. Let's make sure our kids are ready and have the answers that they need. As well as this one right here, we're also written by our founder, Ken Ham, uh, Creation to Babel, Commentary for Families, a really great resource, uh, I would say, if you guys are looking for a new family devotional time, and to really understand why Genesis 1 to 11 is so foundational to all of Scripture. Because guess what, guys? If we get Genesis wrong, we're going to get the entire Bible wrong, right? Either directly or indirectly, every single Christian doctrine is based on Genesis 1 to 11. So if you guys like to know, learn, learn more about that, and really to help equip yourself um, on biblical truth, starting with Genesis, highly encourage you guys to check out this book and go onto our website as well as our bookstore there. So, all right, moving on. Yes, sir. To our next article here. <laughs> this one. Okay, there we this go. This is delicious. Yeah, this, oh, is, uh, this is an interesting one. This is not a very meaty topic. From science. <laughs> Good job. Um, Scientific American here. Does humanity have to eat meat? Meat eating may not have made us human after all. So basically in this research here, uh, to kind of give you guys some background, this is what's called the quote-unquote meat made us human theory, you know, basically they're saying that meat kind of drove human evolution, kind of like the engine for it, and going back to the 1950s here, they basically coined this idea that our early ancestors hunted animals to survive on the barren African savanna, and then the 1990s they posed a so-called expensive tissue hypothesis, where they basically what they wanted to answer the question of where these so-called early hominins uh, got the energy for their growing organ of of thoughts. And the summary from the uh, research here is they say, accordingly, the consumption of meat is a natural need of humankind, whereas vegetarianism is unnatural and possibly even harmful to health. But experts from such diverse fields as paleoanthropology and nutrition are questioning these ideas. So what do you think? Should we keep eating meat, Gabby? Amen. <laughs> Amen. I'm just saying, don't take away my bacon. Right? Yeah, no. They, they, they thought they wrote something interesting. Today, by some counts, the average American eats, which I don't know if I can count as American, right? Because I'm Brazilian, but I'm living here. Um, American eats around 7,000 animals in a lifetime, including 4,500 fish. No, not really for me. Yeah. 2,400 chickens, 80 turkeys, 
That's good for Thanksgiving. 30 sheep and 27 pigs and 11 cows. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. Americans don't go around eating sheep. (laughs) I like sheep. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. And then I wrote... I wrote that around 7,000 animals, like, no, probably 14,000 because I love meat. And, and they say, is this really necessary? Absolutely necessary. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, this is a lot of evolution. Idea. It's just like telling a story that has nothing to do with nothing. And, you know, I mean, you go back to Genesis, we were created uh, and God gave us, you know, like the green, the, the green, the seeds to eat. And then because of the fall, because of the sin, we can, uh, God also gave the meat and we need everything that God has provided and everything that God has given to us, we all need. And then they're here, they're just trying to kind of, you know, no, you don't really need that, you know. Uh, so it's just, it's just a lot of worldview being applied because they don't agree with the Bible, and they're just, just going to be like, well, our bodies cannot handle that. Uh, well, the body can handle good food, you know, but not bad food, of course. And they're just trying to make an, uh, an, an argument against food and against, because of, da-na-na, da-na-na, ecological disaster. Yep, they always have to add it in. So you see yeah. the reason why they don't want they want to take my meat because of the ecological disaster? Yep. No way. They'll all be eating bugs. No. <laughs> um, yeah. I noticed that too though cuz they're like uh, even if there were an evolutionary link between meat consumption and becoming human, we should be able to emancipate ourselves from that like evolutionary link today. You're right. going to be seeing more of this type of language mm-hmm. like basically taking evolution into our own hands for yep. like sustainability purposes. Uh, that's basically where like things like transhumanism, like we should take our own evolution into our own hands are going to be coming in. So you'll probably see more of that. But yeah, just a reminder, like starting with the Bible, basically all this um, article is doing is taking one set of evolutionary assumptions and replacing them with another set. Right. When what we need to do is go back to God's word. When we do, we wouldn't be surprised to find that humans aren't optimized for eating meat, but we also aren't surprised to find that it's advantageous in our fallen world. That's so. right. Starting with the biblical worldview, you see initially humans and animals were actually vegetarian. At the end of creation week, Genesis 131 says everything God had made was very good. It was exceedingly good, right? If there were such a thing. So everything was perfect. And we back, if we back up just a couple verses in verses 29 and 30, it says, uh, with every tree with its seed and its fruit, you shall have them for food, and every green plant for food. So you see, every animal, every man was vegetarian in the beginning, so there's no death at all. And we would expect that, by the way, from a good mm-hmm. God of life, a world full of life, not death and suffering. You see, biblically speaking, man was not actually permitted to eat meat until after the flood, Genesis 9-3. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you, and as I gave you green plants, I give you everything. As, as our CEO, Ken Ham, always says, this is the uh, origin for hot dogs, right? Because hot <laughs> dogs are everything. So I don't know if you guys knew this, but hot dogs actually contain eyeballs in them. Do you guys know that? I just found that out really? the other day. But they're good. They're Protein. delicious, but just yeah. to let you know. No, the eyeballs so. are good. Eyeballs are healthy. Um, so you good. see, we got to build all of, our, all of our thinking on God's word in every single ish, issue, and that's really what it comes down to. And it's, it's basically a paradox. It's a puzzle for the evolutionary worldview, yeah. but it is consistent with the biblical worldview, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's all about making sure we have the right starting point, because if we have the wrong starting point, wrong assumptions, we're going to get the wrong conclusion. So it's good to see science finally catching up with the Bible here, of course. All right, moving on here to the, this next one. Canada will, I'd rather go back to the meat one if we 
can, but uh, yeah. mm-hmm. sadly we have to go on to this one. Canada will legalize medically assisted dying for eligible people addicted to drugs. So Canada will uh, supposedly legal, uh, they will be legalizing medically assisted dying for people who are addicted to drugs next spring in the move. Uh, some drug users and activists are calling eugenics. This is uh, something we've talked about before. It's called uh, MAID, the MAID law, medical assistance in dying here, which first came into effect back in 2016. So I'm going to go ahead and hand it off to our resident, one of our resident astronomer, Canadian. Canadians. I've been hanging out with Danny Falcon too much. Yes. Um, I am a Canadian, so yeah. Please. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this is, this is really sad. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> All right, so sad news, sad history. So basically, euthanasia was legalized <laughs> in Canada. We don't behave like that, okay, always. Gabby's no. going to take it from here. Just yes. so, <laughs> I'm Brazilian, but I'm going to be talking about Canada. in 2016, very sadly, and since then, over 31,000 Canadians have been killed in the name of health care. So back when they were getting these laws in motion, how they got them through the Supreme Court was basically saying there's not going to be a slippery slope because we have safeguards. So they're like, it's only going to be for adults over 18 and only with a grievous irremediable medical condition. (laughs) This is terrible. I should not be laughing. I blame Rob. It's my fault. It's my fault. (laughs) And reasonably... Foreseeable death. Can you really cut? <laughs> and Dr. Haynes can take it from here because yeah. she's very mature. <laughs> yeah, I'm very mature. Oh, now I have to be, right? Well, I mean, unfortunately, we, we were laughing here for something else, you know, but this is a very sad case that is happening in Canada. And sadly, um, some other countries are trying to, you know, just to copy paste this idea also. In Europe, for example, Switzerland has things like that. I have a cousin that lives there and actually has been able to uh, see those things happening because she works in a place with um, elders and she has said that it's just like a, a terrible situation, you know? So now Canada, now is, once you legalize now for people that are addicted to drugs, they don't want to try to do anything before someone gets addicted to drugs or during the process of drug addiction to help them, but, you know, oh, you're addicted to drugs, so now you can be eligible to, you know, um, to kill yourself. Yeah, right. Because that's the point. And it's not just drug addiction either. That's, like, one kind of serious aspect of it, but it's, like, any kind of, like, mental illness, you Mm -hmm. could say. So... Um, basically, it comes down to when we leave our biblical worldview, we run into all kinds of huge problems because when you lose your foundation for truth, yeah. you lose your foundation for everything about what it means to be human and also for defining mm-hmm. language, that leads to problems. For instance, they're basically redefining medical care. So instead of, uh, you're hurting, let's help, it's like, oh, you're hurting. Have you ever thought about killing yourself? Let me do it for you. That's really what the medical system has turned into in Canada, unfortunately. Um, prioritizing, relieving suffering, however you define that, as opposed to protecting life, redefinition of justice and fairness. This guy was basically saying, I don't think it's fair to exclude people from eligibility for uh, suicide because their sufferings related to mental illness or substance use. This has to do with treating people equally. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We have to give suicide equally in the name of equality? Big problem. Translation there, providing more equal access to killing yourself is the only fair thing to do is what they're saying. This reminds me of Isaiah 520, right? (laughs) Woe to those who call evil good Mm -hmm. and good evil. And just, I mean, rather than offering you know, biblical health 
help and counseling, they think, well, we're just going to kill them off because that's the easier route. And, that's really yeah. what it comes down to. And you just had something that's just striking. You know, someone comes and say, hey, I have a problem. You know, oh, have you thought about killing yourself? Like, yeah. you know, the person not even thought about it, but someone brings these options like, oh, huh, interesting. Now I'm thinking about it. You know, so, I mean, it's just, it's the culture of Death. It is. Yeah. Death. It's the plan mm-hmm. is, if I don't kill inside of a, a mom's body, a little kid, let's try to do that in any other situation. Yeah. So yeah. when they are young, when they're teenagers, when they're uh, adults, and then when they're elders. Yay. Now we're going to get to murder people. You know, it's just a culture of trying to, to destroy life. And we mm-hmm. know why. Yeah. Because we carry the image of God. You know, yeah. we are, we were created the image of God. Um, and that just, it's just so, it's just so sad. So yeah. sad to see um, situations like that because we covered this uh, a while ago in a situation where it was a mom that um, it was two sons kind of fighting uh, each other because one wanted her to be uh, uh, murdered. Mm-hmm. The other one didn't want. And uh, I mean, if the judge would, when we were judging, was going to be to, yes, she was going to die, they were going to stop um, putting food in the feeding tube to her. She was 93 years old. And it's just so, um, I'm sorry to be graphic here, you know, but it's just, it's, it's a terrible situation. It's just like death, death, and death. And that's just sad to see the whole country being and doing things like that, because the thing, as you said, a slippery slope, you, you start with something, oh, just for elders that, you know, just sick, and then now it's like, oh, someone that has some mental illness, oh, someone that's just thinking about death, everybody think about death, and it's healthy for us to think about death, because that means that we're going to meet God, and that's, we're going to be accountable, so we have to be thinking about it in a way that it's healthy, in a way that's going to make us grow closer to God, and not in a way that it's, you know, bad, but... I mean, they're just trying to use any situation to lead them to death. Right. And, like, how do you define mental illness as well? Because, yeah. like, yeah. is it going to be used yeah. to persecute believers, That's too? Because, you know, because there's that aspect. But thankfully, there are a lot of things we can do. So defending God's word as the basis for life, sharing the gospel, because that's what gives people hope in Christ so they don't have to feel driven to suicide. Mm -hmm. Uh, Churches being intentional about teaching a biblical view of death and a biblical view of caring for the dying, and also just supporting excellent palliative care and rehab from a biblical worldview perspective. These are things that can be making a big difference. And of course, praying. Exactly. Like Patricia said, let's get back to the biblical worldview. This is the tragic consequence of a foundation on the fallible man's word, right? And anytime you have a fallible foundation, you're going to lay a fallible standard for whatever it is. And so that's why we're seeing a fallible standard of ethics. Really, it is inevitable here. Um, so that's why it's, as Christians, we get back to having the right worldview, standing on God's word in all areas. We actually have the standard for right and wrong and the, having that value for life. Because why do we protect life, right? From the evolutionary worldview, if we're just rearranged pond scum, there really is no foundation for life, right? Uh, spare cats, spare kids, what's the difference here? But uh, the Bible says every single person is made in the image of God, and that's why they're worthy of protection. We ultimately have that. And 
and just a reminder as well from the biblical worldview, man is not all that there is. There is a just God. And the Bible says, Hebrews 9.27, just as it is appointed for man to die once and after that comes the judgment. So um, the Bible says very clearly that he will hold every single person accountable for their crimes, right? Including all the doctors performing a lot of these assisted suicides. Ultimately, let's be praying for them to repent and turn to Christ for life today. That's ultimately what we need. We need prayer and we need the gospel. That's the solution right. here. Yeah, that's true. Amen. All righty, let's move on to the next one here uh, from the Washington Post. A plurality of Americans believe God created humans without evolution. So real quick reminder here, make sure you guys go out and vote, by the way. Tomorrow is election mm-hmm. day, um, like we talked about in a, lot, in a few articles ago. Make sure you use that biblical worldview in your choices, making sure that whoever you vote for, make sure you have that biblical worldview. Because um, something we say all the time, if we are not standing up for our rights, those rights will be taken away. So, so it's so important as Christians that the church goes out there. Make sure you guys vote tomorrow during Election Day. Um, and so with, with this one, it says, most believe in a divine role in human emergence. And they talk about the House Speaker, Mike Johnson. If you guys are familiar with him, he was just elected as the, uh, the Speaker of the House, which, by the way, is by God's miracle. It's God's mercy mm-hmm. that... He gave us uh, Mike Johnson. Really, it's God's mercy for a nation that's under judgment. We deserve wicked rulers for the amount of wickedness we've been doing in our nation lately. So, um, And in this article, they, they talk about here, they say, over the past decade, Johnson has worked and advocated for a religious theme park in Kentucky, one centered around a recreation of the ark described in the Bible. Sound familiar? You guys, you guys all been to the ark encounter already? <laughs> uh, the theme park elevates the idea that the world was created in its present form, which, by the way, is false, right? We actually believe, no, originally everything was perfect, right? And then because of man's sin, that's what we're mm-hmm. living in, the sin, curse, and broken world. Um, by God several thousand years ago, and that there was no evolution involved in the emergence of different life forms, including humans. And they say, based on this poll, that nearly four in ten Americans basically comports with that view. So I would just say amen to that. Yeah, yeah but only, they also say, who will more incline to be creationists? Those without college degrees and who watch Fox News. Yep. Hmm. I don't know if you knew that or not, but... <laughs> <laughs> I read that, and I was like, Am I, is my English working? What Fox News has to do with that? <laughs> you know? So it's just so funny because it, they just try every single detail to kind of, you know, just like, oh, you watch Fox News? You're going to be a creationist. Yeah. It has nothing yeah, to do. Yeah, they say if you watch Fox News, if you're a supporter of Donald Trump, you're more likely <laughs> to be a creationist. So. <laughs> but, I mean, bottom line, I think we should, we should say that it has nothing to do with oh, that, my. right? No, we're biblical yeah. creationists because we stand on God's right. word. We stand on biblical authority, and that's why. So, again, whenever I just look at these kind of statistics, I just think we have a lot of work to do, right? In yeah. discipling, making sure we're training up the next generation. The church has to wake up, right? Let's make sure that we mm. get 10 out of 10 Americans, right, believing in the biblical authority. Amen. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's go ahead and uh, before we run out of time, let's get another one in here. Um, there we go. L.A. County from the Christian Post. L.A. County tells social workers there is no right or wrong to ask a child about their sexual orientation here. So, um, yeah, I think this is just more evidence our culture has lost its mind, by the way. And may God have mercy on this nation. We're living in the Romans, Romans 1 culture here. And uh, essentially... Um, they say from the Department of Children and Family Services, they confirm that requiring social workers to engage in conversations about sexual orientation, gender identity, expression without adherence to any specific age limit. And they say they want to have a supportive and caring environment, um, which, by the way, has nothing to do with that. It, it is anything but that. And then they are, they're also trying to take away uh, parents' rights. They say mm-hmm. regardless of a parent's wishes for disclosure, it is the child's right to choose whether or not to disclose their so-called sexual orientation. 
There's a war, there's really a war on children, guys. That's yeah. what's happening all around us. My point that I was talking to to them, it's um, someone that's as young as 10 years old. They don't even know what sexual orientation is, gender identity, unless someone is pressing that information, is teaching them that information. If not, they don't even know what that is, what that means. But because they have been so pressured by the, the, the school, you know, the teachers and all this, I mean, look at this. The child has the right to choose. Imagine you're putting a responsibility on a child that is 10 years old to choose what is right, what they want. What, I mean, that's a lot. That it's, uh, that's abusive for a child. We as parents, we try to take all those responsibilities because we don't want, we know that the kid doesn't have um, ways to judge things, ways to, to, to understand things, to kind of, they don't have reference to kind of judge and you balance things. That's why we take the responsibility to say, hey, you're not going to eat uh, donuts for lunch. You're going to eat, you know, food. Uh, because, which sometimes I eat that. But I was going to say, I do that's, Yeah, yeah, but. but that's not in front of my kids. Don't um, do what I do. Yeah. You know, so we have to understand that it's abusive, again, if they don't murder the kid inside of the mom's womb, they try to destroy the kids throughout their life, you know? And if they don't get that, then what happened in Canada when their elders destroy them? It just said the culture of life, of culture of death against life that we are living right now. Yep. Um, and here, honestly, I am from Brazil, and I lived there most of my years. Uh, I only have been living here for almost six years. Um, the United States is pushing this so hard. I mean, of course, it's happening in Brazil, but it's not at this level, not at all. Not at all. It's just sad to see what's happening in this country. And speaking of abortion, if you guys live in Ohio or if you guys know anyone in Ohio, make sure you go out and vote no on issue one. If you guys are familiar with the issue, they're trying to make it a constitutional right in the Constitution of Ohio to be able to legalize child murder in that state. So make sure you guys go out, vote no on that tomorrow coming up on Election Day. So we're all out of time here, but before you guys go, we want to let you know about some of our resources here. Uh, first up, we have Prepare the Thrive, written by our own not-resident astronomer, but resident <laughs> Canadian, Canadian yes. Patricia Angler. So make sure you guys check that out. So if you want to say a few words of what that um, book's about. Oh, yeah. So this is just a survival guide for having strong um, foundations for getting through college and beyond with a strong biblical work. Worldview, so that's for uh, parents as well as kids. We have a study guide that goes with that now as well. So just a solid discipleship resource for you. Yeah, and I also want to let you guys know about our 2024 STEM challenge. Uh, first time we're doing it, November 6th, coming up next year at the Ark Encounter. So if you guys are interested in science, technology, engineering, mathematics, now is your chance. It's going to be a one-day hands-on design competition open to students from uh, ages 14 to 18 years of age. The, each team will be presented basically a design task that will be judged by a panel of experts. And then the top three designs will be awarded a monetary prize. So it's I mean, a make lot sure of you guys money, so. uh, sign up for that. You can go to getanswers.org slash STEM for more information. And that's all the time we have for you today. Um, make sure you guys tune on back in next week for Answers News. And with that, God bless and have a great day.